Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You are listening to Achten Millwall. Listening to Echter Millwall Emergency Broadcasting Special, a public service broadcast made on behalf of the Real Millwall Fan Show and Echter Millwall, broadcasting from South Bermondsey. Good afternoon and welcome to Acton Mill. Joining us this gorgeous Friday afternoon is one of Britain's most distinguished strikers whose diverse and wide-ranging career has seen him play in over a thousand games at both professional and non-league level. Steve's career spanned over 29 years with his first spell at the Den taking place in the early 2000s on loan from Portsmouth, followed by a permanent transfer as Mark McGee swooped to sign the man that fired in the goals for him at Wolves. Joining us is Steve Claridge on Acton Mill. Steve, good afternoon. Welcome. Thank you. Very nice. To, good to be here. Of course, with us is Nick Hart, of course, the the the, the daddy of all things Millwall. Um, Nick, I mean, we've got Steve. We've got Steve with us. I mean, tell us your first sort of abiding memory of Steve Claridge as a Millwall player. As a Millwall player, well, it's funny. I was just doing some research before we spoke to you, Steve, and there's a little forgotten part of your career in a way because you actually arrived on loan, didn't you, at the end of the 2000-2001 season? You came in to fill a gap because I think Neil Harris and Paul Moody were actually, um, I think they've been suspended, they've been sent off and you came in with alongside Sadlia to kind of um, fill the gap, so so to speak, for mm. a few games at the end of the season. Yeah. Um, actually, it was me and Tony Cotty came in, believe it or not, at the same time. I do remember, but I'm going to mention him. <laughs> yes. No, I mean, t- Tony, uh, <laughs> I think, I think Tony had sort of forgotten to trade and kept just kept eating, mate. When we did actually get a trade off, I've never seen him with a spare tire like that before. <laughs> but he's great there, Tone. Um, obviously, it wasn't for him that you know the club wasn't for him. Uh, oh, that, but it's wrong, yeah. wrong time for him. Per- absolutely perfect time for me, mate. Perfect time. Because you came in from Pompey, I think you'd been at Pompey for a couple of years, hadn't you? And then. What happened was I was the manager, believe it or not, at Portsmouth. Yes, well, I was Um, wondering how to mention that. Yes, for a couple of months, funnily (laughs) enough. Um, Yes, it's... uh, And um, um, I got injured. I got really bad bone bruising on my my ankle. So um, there was a little bit of a malaise with regard to me getting myself sorted before I left um, and obviously get myself fit. Um, So it was... About a month and a half, and I hadn't played, and then um, just finally got myself sorted, got um, uh, got everything that I needed to do done at, at Portsmouth, and then uh, it was I had to then make up my mind where, where I was going to go. So I had like six or seven clubs, and um, yeah, I eventually picked uh, Millwall. It wasn't Mark McGee who signed me. I'm trying to think who it was. It was the youth team manager. Really? Uh, well, it wasn't the youth team manager. He had been the youth team manager. He'd overseen like sadly a. Um, right. A really brilliant youth team that Millwall had at that uh, uh, prior to, to me going there, um, where they had five or six really good players. Reedy come out of it, sadly come out of it. There was sort of like um, five or six really good players. I'm trying to think. I can't think what. Wasn't Harford? Was it Harford? Was it? Was it? Was no, no, no. Ray was the um, Ray was the coach. Right. What a good lad Ray was. Yeah. yeah. Really so... well with Ray. No, I, I, I'm not sure I'd like to give Mark McGee any more. 
when I have to, mate. I get on a right with Mark now, but he was when I was at Millwall, mate. Right, really? okay. Well, that's that's interesting. I mean, I I I, I was written down some fairly praiseworthy notes about Mark McGee because, I mean, it, when you arrived, we were short suddenly of this um, fairly lethal uh, front two in 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 Moody and, and Harris, and I think they both got themselves sent off in a game, and suddenly we were kind of um, coming to the business end of the season, needing goals. And yeah. I know, mean, that was the era of the seven day loan, wasn't it? The seven day loan where you'd see like you know a player disappear somewhere. Um, for a seven day or a fourteen day, you know, I mean, keepers used to. I think Paul Jones was like the king of it. Um, the goalkeeper. Remember, we, he went to Liverpool on loan from Southampton one time. But um, that was the era where you know players could sort of like disappear freely if if needed. Right. I thought I, when I, I'll be I'll be honest with you. When I was at Birmingham under Barry Fry, I thought everyone had a seven day contract. Care, so. <laughs> <laughs> Seventy six players we used that season. <laughs> <laughs> 76, I think. 76. Yeah. Um, so, uh, do you know, how many people do you think I played with up front that year? <laughs> a different one each week, by the sounds of it. Yeah, but, yeah I, I, you're not far off. 22 different players. You'd introduce to each other before the game and then... Uh, well, yeah. one of them got... Funny you say that, because uh, one of them got the coach and our, our, our actual coach, <laughs> due to go to Watford, our coach stopped him getting on, didn't even know he'd signed. <laughs> <laughs> What are you doing? I'm getting on. You said I'm getting on the coach. Did you not? So I just signed. He said, "Has he gaffer?" He went, "Yeah, yeah, we signed him." So I forgot to tell you. Unbelievable. I mean, just, I'm just going back to McGee, and it's interesting you said said that, Steve, because I mean, you've you've, you've come in with um, Moody and Harris kind of out for for, yeah. for through their own um, you know their own devices, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and I presume that must have been a, I don't know if it was a two or three game suspension, whatever they got back then, but. Um, McGee kept you. He kept. He started you, even though they were fit. They were sat on the bench, and you were keeping them out of the of the first uh, team. He didn't of... start me. I didn't start. He started Tony Cotty at Wickham, I think it was. Right. So I was always a last resort. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yes, I was always the one that I I always felt like I had to do a little bit more than everybody else, mate. I'll be honest with you. Um, but I got in, um, and it felt right from the start. It just felt so right. And I think we played Rotherham. I think it was, yeah, we were yeah. second, they were top. Yeah, yeah. I think we beat Rotherham 4-2. I got a couple of goals. Yeah. Um, and from there, that was just a springboard for the rest of the season. And it was, um, it just felt so right from the very start. I mean, you clearly enjoyed your time at Millwall. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. As, as, as a club, I mean, what were your first impressions when you when you came in? exactly what I expected it to be. I mean, I was lucky at that stage. <laughs> a, a lot of, you know, you get players moving, you think, what, why have you gone there? That can only be for the money. That's There's no passion at that club. You know, there's not there's nothing there that would make you go there other than money. Right. Whereas, you know, we were getting, we were averaging, you know, 13, 14, 15 grand there, 15,000 people every, every week. And it yeah. felt like there were 50,000 there. You know, it was a fantastic atmosphere. Um, and I just, it just felt right from the very start. Every, everything about it, the the way that I played suited the club, the way that the the fans wanted you to play, yeah, suited our relationship, my relationship between them and, and myself. So it, it just felt, it felt right from the very start. And, and from my perspective, well, it wasn't only um, a football decision; it was very much a life decision because. If it had gone the other way, I was I was on my knees at that stage. I, you know, I'd, I'd been messed about as as the manager at Portsmouth. Yeah. That was my boyhood club. It was a club I'd always supported. It was a club that I, you know, I've been desperate to go back to and to finish that way like I did at Portsmouth, which was fairly acrimonious at the time. Um, was was you know was was quite a tough position for me to be in. So was, not was just it, was it Milan Mandaric, Steve? Yes. Yes. Um, Graham Ricks, Milan Mandric, Harry Redknapp, sort of that yes, era, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah, it was Graham who took over from me. I mean, I only got, I think I got a couple of months, mate. And to be fair, we were 17th when I took over and we were unbeaten for 11 games, believe it or not, first 11 games. And eight games later, I'd been relieved of my duties. But anyway, we're not talking about it because obviously the same thing happened, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, in a worse position at, at Millwall. So, but no, I, I, as I say, from my perspective, I was, I was going through a really tough period not just um, football-wise, but as, you know, a, a really... Life terms. In, in life terms as well, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, for me, it had to be right. And I, I literally, the, the, as I'll always say that, a club, you know, not just in a football sense, but 
and, and everything else to do with what, what I was doing picked me up. And I was, it, it was just, it was great. And I, I went there for two months and stayed nearly three years. Yes, you did. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you signed in, or properly signed, so we say, in, in, in the August uh, 2001, 2002 season. Um, and I think that was the summertime where obviously we'd been promoted with Neil Harris up front and, and Paul Moody. But uh, I think Harris was, was diagnosed with testicular cancer over the course of the summertime, which left yeah. us very much in well in... Neil, Neil was Neil had and I, I and I, this is no you know no disrespect but those two players um and I don't want it but those two players were good good players at that level yeah but they hadn't played in the level above no and they weren't proven in the level above and you were you, you and I, I was mean, yeah and that you... was the, you know that that was the difference and of course when you've got you know a, a player like Richard Sadlier who along with myself the next season, you know, really did hit it off. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, and, absolutely. And we should have got promoted. We should have got promoted. There's no doubt about that. I, I, we, we, I, you know, it's one of the real big regrets of, of my career is that we did not get promoted to the Premier League with, with Millwall because we should have. You're answering all the questions I've written down on my list here, Steve, already. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, I, I just want to touch on. I mean, you, you famously played in all all four divisions, and now obviously in later in career in your career into the uh, into the into the non leagues, national leagues, and, and so on, southern leagues. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that must give you an eye for a player. You mu- you must know when a player has top draw quality. I mean, you you know you you you've, you've, you've played there yourself. You you know where the separation between the two. I'm interested in Richard Sadia because for me he's one of the great losses to, to certainly to yes. Millwall and yes. to, to to the game because I I thought from sitting in my seat in the stand watching you that he had the he had the X factor he had it he did would you, would you agree I would 100% agree with that when you consider that was his first full year he'd been played by hips and groin yeah. injuries previous to that where he played you know every now and again and he, he dovetailed in and out the side because of those injuries. Um, but he had one season with me, and I think I got 19 league goals, and he got 17. He did. And he yeah. was, as an all-round player, he was absolutely fantastic. He was quick, he was strong, he was nasty, could head a ball. Um, and he's intelligent. He struck me, he had the football intelligence yeah, he, too. Yeah, he did. He was an intelligent player. As I say, he had absolutely, you know, right across the spectrum of, of talents, he, he possessed them. So, um, as I say, that, that was a fantastic player to play with. You know, he's big and he was strong, but he was quick. Uh, he was, um, as you say, intelligent. I've played with some big players up front before. But, you know, they're, they're very much, that is what they rely on, whereas he had so much more to his game. So he was a great loss, not just to Millwall, but to the game in general. I was watching some of the um, the kind of YouTube reels of, of 2001-2002, which for yeah. me is, I mean, despite the end, I mean, we, we know how it ended, but... For me, it was one of the most enjoyable seasons ever. Great year, great year. And I go back a long way as a Millwall fan. It was a great yeah. year. It was a great yeah. team, Steve. I mean, it that was. was that was a fantastic side that you were a part yeah. of. There, we look at the players that came out of it. Absolutely. I mean, they all went on. Got where they went. And you know, it was it. it this, I was watching. There was one game late in the season. Actually, there was one of the, one of the things I really wanted to ask you about was the Wolves game, and I think that was towards Penalty. the Penalty. yeah the penalty. I mean. Number one, the to praise you the the quality of your of your of your um of your ball skills to get into the penalty area, and this twist and turn style that you you almost yeah. made your own, which is magnificent to watch, and you get clipped. But the, the I mean, Wolves I think were chasing promotion at the same time. I think they, they were, were no, it's, yeah, absolutely contenders. And the yeah. mind games to try and I mean, the, the, how you kept your cool. Was playing, wasn't he, for him? That's right, and yeah. I, yeah, I remember the, it's one of those nights that I remember very vividly because. The the whole atmosphere was was supercharged that night. It was. There was there was obviously there was two sets of fans who are passionate. Strong <laughs> two strong clubs there. Yeah, I agree. Yes, yeah, and vociferous. Pope mix. There was a lot of things said before the game. There'd yeah. been there been a little bit of argy bargy up there. I think uh, earlier on in the season. So it was it was absolutely super. And as soon as you drove into the car park that night, it felt. Yes, this is this is this is what you play football for. This is yeah. what it's all about. These are nights when you you, you immediately 
understand what it means. It's, it's nights like that. I mean, just going off a, a tangent, I, I can never understand players who have talent that don't get excited by big game situations like that. That, that surely is what, that. that's surely why you're there. I know the money's yeah. good and all the rest of it, but that's what it's yeah. for, surely. That's, that's what makes life worth living. You can, you know, you're, you know, we, we, you know, we all want enough, you know, you want enough money to live on, but of course, that, but yes, yeah. that's, that's not, that's not what, what life's about. Life's about having moments like that, you know, nights like that and experiences like that that, that make the difference, mate. What goes Take through? Take the norm. Well, I mean, intrigued as to what goes through Steve Claridge's mind. You've got a penalty. You've been clearly clipped and there's a major... I think it's about 15 minutes to go in the game. Yeah, it was, it was nil-nil, wasn't it, at the time? And then we get the, the fiddling around from the Wolves players. Someone goes yeah. up and takes the ball and fiddles with the, the penalty yeah. spot. You, you, you move a bit of um, paint or something that's on yeah. there. And then you still got to put the ball in there. I mean, that is ice cold. Sang fraud is what I've written down here. That is that is ice. How do you? How do you? What goes through your head target. in those situations? Hit the target. Hit the target. That's it. That's all. That's all. That was all I I ever did. You know, when you take a penalty, you hit the target, and that was it. And don't change your mind and hit the target. That, that's that's basically it. And if he saves it, he saves it. But you know, if you hit the target, you've always got a chance. So you pick your spot. And you put it there, yeah. and yeah. To, to some extent, the goalkeeper. Do, I mean, do you do? You, does a striker send the goalkeeper the wrong way? Is, is I, I, would 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 that be part? I, th- of? I think I think your approach to the ball. Yeah. Can sometimes tell a keeper where, which side you're going to put it. Right. Okay. So, so you're playing. If a... you approach the ball, and, and I mean, like, if you're approaching it very much from the 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 left side of the ball, you're going to have to whip the ball round. To go left side, uh, right side of the keeper. Whereas if you if you open your body up, it's quite it's it's a lot easier to try and side foot it into. But I, you know you, you want to keep that run as, as straight as you can, so you're giving away really as as, as little as you possibly can. Magnificent display. I mean, I watched it. I watched it a couple of times before we spoke this afternoon. And every time I watch it, I mean, how you kept your, your 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 head together in that situation is 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 wonderful stuff to watch. Um, just looking at some of the other names, I mean, you, some big personalities in that team as well. I mean, magnificent players, Steve, but some, some it's was, full of personalities, wasn't it? I was, I was just about to say that. I mean, like you know, you look at some of the names in in, in that goal. squad. I mean, <laughs> Tony Warner is is yeah. obviously the standout one. Denzel, um, Sean Dyche was, you know, everyone knows about yes. him. Stephen yeah. Reed, obviously, you got you know people like Neil Harris in there. Um, I mean, what, what about was Tim Cahill, of course, Tim Cahill, you know, what what was that atmosphere like, though, in that dressing room? You know, that must have been buzzing because you got so much quality in that dressing room and and so many massive personalities. Yeah, I mean, I think think it was a a good dressing room to be in because I don't think at that stage anybody knew quite how good that, that side was. I think we were very much the surprise element of that season nobody expected us to be I know we certainly didn't expect going into it and obviously I, I I came sort of almost with a new brush you know I didn't really know the quality of the players around me I didn't really know you know I'd, I'd only seen it fleetingly the previous season um and, and I was sort of like thinking I, I'm a lot of the lads were sort of like talking it down a little bit and I, I and yeah okay we we had a squad of around 14 or 15 and, and you've got to say most of those played to their absolute max yeah, and we would have had to have done that, and and it was proved the next season um, that you know that that was the case. Um, but but it, it it happened that way. People stayed fit. Um, the team almost picked itself, um, and I just it, it was it was a great great time at the club to be there. There was there was you know it, it was a I think as the season grew, I think so did the players, so did the belief, so did the uh, so did the the fans. Um, and when you've got 15,000 people at Millwall, you know, behind you, then you've got a real chance, mate. You know, I went there, I went there three or four years later and I sat in a stand and it was dead, absolutely dead. And I said, what's happened here? Mm-hmm. And um, fella said, and it had been that bad for that long. Yeah. He said, we just, we don't, I said, if we played like this. We wouldn't have got out of town. We wouldn't no. have got out of this stadium if we played like this. You know, the expectation was, was such that we would go out and we would always give give everything, you know. And we had the quality there; we had real quality to to cause people problems. And you know, and and it was just a great it was a great time to be at the football club. It really was. And we'll we'll, we'll t- t- touch on the see the season when you were briefly manager. I oh, should imagine oh, shortly. No, 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 no. It wasn't. I didn't get. I didn't make the season. <laughs> I, barely, I, I barely made pre-season. Mate, so.
Achtung, Mehlball. Obviously, the playoff night was was um, was a tough night to take as a fan. What was it like? In what was it like for you? I mean, it must have been gutting to to lose so late in the in well, the game. It was one of those moments in your life where you look around and you think, "No, that didn't just happen." Please no. tell me that. And you're looking at your teammates and you're thinking, "Someone, please just tell me that that didn't happen." <laughs> We've done 48 games. Yeah. You know, given everything. Given everything, literally, given yeah. Absolutely right. everything. And then to lose it. And, and to be fair, Dion had just missed a great opportunity before that as well to take us 1-0 up. Yeah. Um, you know, which which wins the game for us. Uh, and then Stern John does what he does and you just absolutely, uh, uh, well, let's say one of the... Um, one of the worst nights of of, of my life, football-wise, I've got. To say. I was going to ask you. I mean, that was a cliche to say you've vastly experienced. Um, you, you know, Aaron's touched on that, but I mean, was, was, do, have you had any low points to match that, or would that be would, would that be one of the one of the worst nights? Yeah, I think I think the two two times when you know I found myself as a manager in the situations that I found myself in. Yeah. You know, and and to be treated the way I was treated was was very very tough to take because I didn't deserve that. You know, no. I, I don't. I'd, all I'd ever done is given, given everything to everything I'd done, and then to be treated the way I've been treated. So I've, I've had some. Look, look, football's all about. You know, you, you've got to get a thick skin. You've got to be able to deal with the, the lows as much as the highs. Of course. Which is why you know I, I, I really do respect players who, who stay in the game a long time because, you know, I, I've seen a lot of players who, who are great when things are good, but when they go into those troughs. They haven't got the guts, the determination, the character to come out of them. So you never see them again. You know, the boys that stay at the top and play professional football for a long time will have really tough moments, but they've got the strength of character to come out of it and be better for it. How are these situations, or do they vary? I might be asking a silly question, apologies. But, I mean, do you have like a, does someone, does the chairman sit down with you man to man and say, Steve, this is not working because of these reasons or because of this or because of that? How is it done? Is it? It's it's it well I, I think to be fair the way that it was done um, at, at Portsmouth was very strange because um, I'd I'd taken over as player manager he'd asked me to do it and um, uh, he I, I don't know what whether he didn't make the role clear to me if he'd said you you're going to be ta- caretaker till the end of the season and then we'll see how it goes that would have been fine right. but he didn't. He, he he sort of gave me the impression that I was the, I was the manager uh, at Portsmouth. I, I think it wasn't really made clear. I was player manager, which is very difficult. We, I mean, our first, I think, 10 or 11 games, we were unbeaten. I only yeah. got 20 games, it was. But he, he just wanted to go down a different route. He wanted to go down a more experienced route. That, that's, that's his prerogative and that's up to him. I get that. But at Mill, it's a little bit different because I was caught between Jeff Burnage and Theo Pathetis. And, you know, with all due respect, Theo left. And left the club in a bit of a pickle. The club he was did. losing an awful lot of money. Yeah. Huge amount of money. Jeff took over. Obviously, Jeff is not a multimillionaire. He, has, he, he hasn't got access to those sort of funds. So it was very much... Jeff said to me, for every 800,000 that you get rid of, you can keep 100. Right. So that right, gives okay. you some idea. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so that's... The, then Then you're involved wow. in a fire sale where you're trying to get rid of... You know, you've got to get rid of a lot of players because simply because the club... I think lost six and a half million the previous year, whatever. So it was in a bit yeah. of financial, it was in real, real trouble. So we then conducted fire sale for, for a week or so. Um, I've never had a contract. Theo never, ever released power. Um, and basically, I was told that whoever Jeff had employed, Theo was going to get rid of. Right. That nakedly, it was it was put to you in that quite in quite that that that, that way. That's what yeah, that's what wow. that's what I was told in, in no uncertain terms. And then Theo goes on to then give the job to uh, Colin Lee, Colin who Lee. was an absolute joke, and, and an even bigger joke was Dave Tuttle, who you know <laughs> couldn't run his own life much much less a football club. So it was it was it was farce in the extreme, and it, and was. it was very tough to take because you know I I yet again been put in a situation where I had no control and I was just used as a pawn between two people. And the club got relegated that year as well. Well, I was just going to say that there was a famous quote that Theo put out. I yeah. just looked at it before there was indeed, we, yeah. we spoke saying, you know, if Claridge didn't leave, there was a strong chance that 
Millwall would be relegated. And then we get the most, I mean, farcical is one way to put it. It was, it was like the club was on a, a submarine that had been holed Bizarre and appointments, sinking yeah. fast. Do you know who yeah. I had signed? Do you know who I had signed that night? No. The night he, he, he sacked me, I think it was a Gillingham friendly at home. And he got rid of me. And he'd only, he, 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 he said to me, I rang him four times. I said to him, because I, I knew that there would be problems with, with regard to him and his ego and leaving the football club. Um, and I said to him four times, I rang him for, I said, you are definitely going, Theo, you're not having anything more to do with the club. And on the fourth, and he kept saying to me, yes, I've, I've left, I'm finished now with the football club. Mm. And on the fourth, fourth time I rang him, he went, I've told you, he got really angry, told you I'm leaving, don't ever ring me again about it. I said, fine, I, okay, I'll take your word for it then, Theo, that you're not going to be back. And he was back a week later. Wow. And, and on that night, when I was relieved of my duties, and I'm not saying sacked because I never actually ever had the job. No, um, to be sacked. No. Yeah, I mean, how can you be sacked from, from a job you don't You've not been appointed to? Exist. No. Yeah. Never gave me a contract of work. So I'd, I'd worked for three or four weeks, never had a contract, didn't know what I was doing. They were, he was obviously in the background conducting affairs anyway. Um, I had a boy called Marlon King signed yeah. from Nottingham Forest, um, who was who actually that year played for Watford, got 23 league goals, yep. was a top goal scorer in the league. And he was signing that night. The only reason he didn't sign is because before he signed, Theo called me upstairs. Also had a lad called Steve Guppy who signed yeah, yeah, and a yeah, boy called, cool. and a goalkeeper um, from Gillingham. I think his name was Steve Brown. Might have been, right. I think it was, it was Brown. Um, Really good goalkeeper. Who went, went Jason to Brown. Jason Brown. Jason Brown. Sorry, Jason Brown. Went to Blackburn. Um, in Welsh International. In the so I had those three players in my office signing that night when he sacked me. It's incredible. It was, it was unbelievable, mate. And, and as I say, I, 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 I said to him, you know, and, and he treated me really, really poorly for the three weeks. He came back and he, 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 it was absolute purgatory. The way that he treated me. You wouldn't treat a dog the way he treated me. Have you ever seen Theo since? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw him. Uh, I did a five live game at, um, at I think it might have been Tooting and Mitchum or something. He had a Hampton and Richmond or something. He had, a, he had another club, a non-league club that he was heavily involved in. And I saw him there and he went to shake my hand like nothing had happened. And I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. I'm, I'm not made that way, mate. I can't, I can't. Yeah, you know, I, I like to think I'm reasonably straight and I'm honest and, yeah. you know, I, I, I call it as it is. And I just couldn't shake his hand. I just thought, he has no idea what he, what he did to me. No, I mean, you, you were shat upon, basically. With an, Absolutely. You but, know. but not just that. He said, you know, ultimately all I've ever wanted to do is be a manager. You know, I, I work very hard as a player yes. and I would have done the same as a manager. And, and you know, if I'd, have, if I'd have managed that club for a year and I'd have kept them in, in the championship, I would have had a career in management, which he, he took that away from me. I mean, we finished that season after you you, were, you weren't appointed, let's put it that way. We finished second from bottom and you, know, you mentioned playing with 70-odd players. I think we, we pushed that. Well, I think about 50-odd players that season. Yeah. Um, yeah. A rotating door, Steve. I mean, yeah. it, was, it, was, it was a ludicrous season and we well, finished he had, that. He had a, he had, if I remember rightly, he had, a, he had a, an agent called Phil Graham. He used to be my agent. Right. And Phil Graham literally just brought all the players in. You know, it was you, it was it was the most dispiriting season. It was horrendous, wasn't it? I was watching it from afar and thinking, I mean, you know, Colin Lee, you sure? Yeah. And then Dave Tuttle. Tuttle. Dave Tuttle. I mean, just just beggars belief. I mean, you played with Dave as well. Yeah. I mean, I've I've had my own experiences with him, sort of on a local football level and you know, sort of a, a non-league level. What was he like as a player? And what I mean. When he gets appointed as manager, could you see any qualities of him as a player, no, as a colleague? Absolutely not. Say, so, yeah, he'd be a good manager. No, no, absolutely not. And 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 to be fair, I mean, I've, it's still a sore point with me because he he financially also um, uh, took money off me and and still to this day hasn't paid me back. And he's he's there are that that, that yeah you know, I've, I've I'm not the only one who's who's been stuck in a situation like that but also as a player he was all right I didn't mind him as a player and he, I, I used to get on well with him but you you couldn't trust him and it, it was everything was a joke and everything was a laugh and he, he couldn't he couldn't decipher when you know when you, you there are times when you can be funny and there's times when you can have a laugh 
And yeah, there's a time yeah. when you have to actually do get 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 your head down and do the business and and be professional. And D- Dave Tuttle could never decipher between the two. So for him to be a manager was almost farce. You know, it, it was it was you know one of the most unprofessional people you can get. You know, and, and you're thinking, well, hold on a minute. You know, I, I've played a thousand games. Surely, you know, my character says that I deserve this opportunity, and yet. Theo chooses to make a decision purely on a personal basis and then proceeds then to give it to two people who clearly were not capable of doing it. Achtung. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Milvai. I was reading an interview that you, you gave to one of the non-league papers. Um, I think it might be the non-league paper, Steve, because um, you're involved at Salisbury. I think you're managing at yeah, Salisbury I, at the yeah, moment yeah. And, and, and the director. <clears throat> There's a really interesting quote because you, I think you, you, you've touched on a couple of times here that there's a time to work. There's a time for seriousness. And I think you, I can't remember how you put it in the interview, but you're, you, it's worse to the effect of you'll forgive a player at that level. Um, obviously, they're playing at you know the um, the, the Southern League, yeah. So but you won't forgive them not taking it seriously, and you won't forgive them not putting the work part in. Is it, I mean, that, that must be very hard for you as a as a player that's played at the top to come across players that don't or won't take it as seriously no, it as it, it deserves. Isn't. I mean, no, it isn't. I, I know people say that, but you you, you then. You can't ask a player to do something that he's not. No, no. You know what? What I I will not forgive is is players who don't um, who don't love the game and don't play the game like they love it, and, and don't care what they do. That's that's you know. And I never I never ask a player to do something that he's not capable of doing. You know, you, you've you, you've got to understand players' limits. You've got to understand people's limits. You know, both mentally and physically. Um, and then you've got to work within that that framework. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't ask players to do things that they're not capable of, and I don't get frustrated because I understand that, you know, each to their own. All, all I ask is that, you know, someone goes and gives 100%, and then my job is to is to get the team, the balance of the side right, get the character of the side right, and get the players in who can do what I'm asking them to do. But I, I would never, you, know, you can't ask players to to play a certain way if they're not capable of doing that. You know, you have no. to you have to work out what their strengths are and then try and implement that in your team. Steve. I mean, cool. I, I'm, I'm just, I, I've obviously looked at your career and, you know, I'm, I remember watching you play. I mean, one thing I always wondered about was, you know, why you went from Millwall to Weymouth. I think yeah. now I understand more is because of your desire to be a manager, to be a number one. I mean, that is a and, massive, and because, massive step. And, yeah, and also because I, I always felt like I was playing second fiddle with Mark McGee as well. So if 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 um, I'll give you an indication of what 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 I mean, um, I got 19 league goals in that in that season. We're talking 2001, about 2002, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I did not start the next season. A, a lad called a young lad called Ben May started the season. Yes. In front of me. Yeah. That's a joke. It's an absolute joke. And, and Neil Harris, you know, we all just unlike. Don't get me wrong, I like Neil and everything, but but Neil would play in front of me on at times when I'm thinking, 
you know, with all due respect, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a better player than Neil. I should be playing that, so I'm a better player than Ben May. And I wouldn't say that if I, if I didn't think I was. Do you know what I mean? But I clearly, to... you know, yeah. I, I, I was. And, and it, it, you know, it was very, very difficult to take sometimes some of the decisions that Mark McGee made because I knew they weren't done on a personal, uh, on a professional level. I knew they were done on a personal level. So that's, that's what, you know, and at my age, I, I, you know, I'm not stupid. I, I could work that, you know, you're able to work that out very quickly that should I be in the team? And I, I always like to look at, look at it and think, I have to do this in a fair and honest way, you know, and, and I've got to look at myself and say, should I be playing in that team? Am I playing, you know, in the form I'm in, should I be playing in it? And then if, if the answer is yes, well, then why aren't I? So the manager then has to provide me with a reason why I'm not, which he never did. On, on the other side of it is, well, no, I'm not. So then I'm, I haven't got a problem with it. But I, I always felt, and it, and it was the case, that I was always going to have to do a little bit more than the next man. Which is, which is, you know, it's tough to take considering how I'd done for him the previous season, which, you know, which seemed to be forgotten very quickly. You still got 12 goals that season, Steve. I mean, I did. Yeah. I mean, I you did know, play, and that was a tough second. season. It was, a, it was a difficult season. Um, <clears throat> I think clear of, as, as a fan watching, it was clear that there were certain things that were not feeling 100% at the club, the start of yeah. things, perhaps. And, and I don't I, think, to be fair, as as well as Mark McGee might have done, I don't think the fans ever really took to him there. I think, you know, I think I think that even the fans could see that there was there were elements that, you know, didn't quite fit. There's something going wrong, that's for sure. But I'm just yeah. intrigued by the fact that you know you've got 12 goals there. Neil Neil got 12. Ben May um, was a very limited striker and one suited to a lower level. I think you know if I'm going to be Honest got just one goal in that season. So then is that 12 goals to one goal says it speaks volumes, doesn't it? What do you think lies behind this, Steve? I mean, one of the questions I've got actually is that you've you've got this kind of um, you know, this, um, I've seen you described lies as like behind what, by the way. Let me just clarify. Well, just lies behind the fact that, that uh, McGee wasn't choosing you. Why was he not selecting you when clearly? The fact you've got, you know, um, you you put the ball in there the previous season. You put the ball in there. In I don't this... know, that, and that's that's you know, if 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 I could tell you that now, there probably wouldn't have been a problem. But yeah. I never got a, I never got an answer that that really satisfied my curiosity, so to speak. Do you think you were given the credit for being the good, the, as good a footballer as you were by the game generally? Because no, well, I mean I don't mean that. I don't mean um, I don't mean that in a big-headed way. Um, I mean that I, I don't like this journeyman tag. No, um, well, no that, one, that was the question I was building to, you know. Yeah, no one, no one gave me anything in football. I worked for everything I got. I didn't have a manager who took me through the divisions, you know. I, I just, just to give you an idea, okay. Every club I played at, okay, I played a full season. I was named Player of the Season. Yeah, and and so two, I, I, I did yeah. not at every football club I played at. If I started the season and finished it at that football club. And that happened, I think, 17 times. I was my, I was, I was player of the season for that that year. And that As you were at the Den, that's right. So you know, I mean, that gives you an idea. And I played for some good clubs, and I played with some good players. I think, I think I was probably one of those players that, you know, when you when you, the, the team's always better when I was in it rather than when I wasn't. If you know what I mean. And maybe, I think people understood that. You know, I wasn't just a player that worked out. I think people, you know, certainly players who played with me and and people who watched me a lot. Um, understood that I was I was sort of like a, a good player in my own right as well in that respect. Absolutely, Absolutely. I, I just wonder. I mean, sometimes I think um, the, the the game kind of uh, pigeonholes people slightly. And it I, does. If you're told something enough, you believe it rather than going out and actually finding out if it's true. You know, some of the the, the ball control I was looking at earlier on, the chances that you took. Yeah. Um, if you're a continental player, they'd be raving about you as I don't know. You know, you'd be a kind of a European level player. You know, yeah. but because you're Steve Clarish from Portsmouth, it's it's a Absolutely. different. It's you're more like a. It's, it's mean, almost like you character. It's like a character. And, and the way that I and the way that I looked, you know, my shirt out, socks down. <laughs> I was going to ask about I mean? that. Sort of rather, you know, like ungainly sort of style. But it, it, you know, as I said, if if you looked a little bit deeper than that. Which most people, you know, who who pigeonhole you don't. No. Then I think you'd have seen that there was a, a reasonable player in there. I mean, so, I think you were grossly grossly unlucky, Steve, because if you look at it, sort of the era when you were at Birmingham, Leicester, around yeah. that time, there were some very good strikers out there. there. Was, you know, yeah. you had yeah. your Les Ferdinands, your Andy Coles, your Shearers, your yeah. Suttons, yeah. all around that era. I should have gone I mean, to Blackburn as well, by the way. I, I, I 
I, really? I was at, when I was at Cambridge in my mid twenties. Um, Kenny Dalglish came in for me, and John Beck wouldn't let me go. Um, and I could well have gone to Blackburn at that stage, and they who's, went on to to win the league. Who was the best manager you played under, Steve? I mean, you just mentioned John Martin O'Neill. Right, okay. Martin O'Neill, because Martin, um, there are no secrets to management. There, there are three things that you need to do. You need, as a manager, you need to, um, you need to be tactically very sound. So you need to get the system correct. Yeah. You need to buy players who have the right characters. Um, who, uh, and and you need to just organise and set people up in the in the in the in the right way. So Martin would. Martin would buy players that would make his job not easy, but easier. Yeah. So Martin would come out on a Thursday, he'd do a bit of shape, a bit of pattern, and on a Friday he would do a five-a-side like most managers used to do then, and then we'd play until he won. But at three <laughs> o'clock on Saturday, Martin knew what was going to happen. Right. I, can, I, I played two and a half years under Martin, and I came off the pitch thinking once we'd let ourselves down, and that was Leeds away when we got beat 3-0. Aside from that, I can't remember ever, think, ever thinking that we didn't make the opposition work. And that was simply because he bought players with a specific role in mind. He made one, over this period of time that I was with him, he made one bad buy, and that was a lad called Graham Fenton who bought for a million pounds, who he didn't clearly, wasn't what he thought he was. Right. But apart from that, the players he bought in, everybody had a specific role. Everybody knew what their role was, and everybody knew that why they'd been bought to the football club. He didn't bring a right winger in and then try and make him something he wasn't. He brought that player in because he knew what his strengths were and he asked him to come and put implement them in his team. So he was fantastic at doing that. I mean, okay. Le- Le- Leicester in that era were, were, were quite a, a funny club to watch. I mean, firstly, the ground was just something else. I mean, Filbert Street was, was genuinely... Um, somewhere I, I kind of miss going. I mean, I remember going there in '99, watching Man United beat Leicester six-two in just like pure mud. Yeah. And uh, O'Neill turning around saying he used to bring signings out backwards because of uh, <laughs> because of the stand. I mean, but some of the players you played with there as well. Yeah. You know, they, you know, brilliant, brilliant players: Muzzy, yeah. Neil Lennon, you know, Emil Heskey, Emil young Emil Heskey was there. Um, you know, Spencer Pryor was there. Guppy. Um, Elliot, Matt Elliott, Walsh. yeah, Matty, Matty Elliott, Walsh. Steve I mean, Walsh, some yeah, some of the brilliant players. players. Casey Keller, of course, yeah. you know, going and uh, well, who, who was uh, you know a, a wonderful goalkeeper um, for for Millwall. It was, really Guffey, was an interesting Steve time. There. I mean, yeah. was Ian Marshall always as miserable as he seemed? Yeah, Marshy's, yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, he's great. He's good now, Marshy. I like Marshy, but he's he's, 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 he's. I'll tell you another one who's a proper good player as well, mate. Proper, proper good player. Another underrated player. Very much underrated. When when you play with him, quick, strong. Yeah, he's a real handful. So another one of those that sort of um, you know people used to tag, but really good player in his own right. Just out of interest, on a side note, what was the secret to Martin O'Neill and the number thirty-one? I don't know if he did it then, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he 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 had this thing. Obviously, you know, you see him in press and you see him. Photos of him everywhere he goes, he has the number 31 written. So he'd wear right. like a training top and then have 31 written. And he's been interviewed in so many places they've asked him about the number 31. And he's always said, One day I'll tell the story. Like, <laughs> one day I will tell the story. And everyone's, I mean, I still wonder about it. Every time you see him, you see like 31, you know, he'll wear no. like a squad number 31 or something. But no, I I, I've always wondered that. No, I suppose no, just thinking about Martin O'Neill, Steve, I mean, he, he goes back the direct line back to uh, Brian Clough, doesn't he? He would have played under, yeah. under Clough at Forest. You can't help yeah. but pick up. And it's touching on what you've said already. I mean, you can't help but pick up good habits when you've played under the yeah. It doesn't always the work like that. I mean, some of the you know some a lot of the people who work with Sir Alex didn't make good managers. Didn't come out of it. You know, his no, assistant didn't, didn't make good man- I, I, I I'm not one that that yes, you can look at it, but you you've still got to be your own man. And and you know, you're not going to see the game as as your manager would see it. You're not going to see the you know you're not going to be able to deal with players. You're a different personality. You can't always deal with players the way that he does because your personality might not suit that role. So, I, I yes, of course you can take tidbits, but ultimately if you're going to be a manager, you would have to be that in your own right. Achtung, Milbal. I was watching the um the goals and there's there's one I think you score at Coventry where the, the commentator says that's a that's a typical Steve Claridge goal and it was like a, a six yard box um, finish. Yeah, do you know what I did? You know, yeah, and let me get let me tell you what happened there. That was 
towards the back end of that season. Yeah. We were trying to get into the playoffs. I'd broken two ribs and actually played that game. If you remember rightly, I came off after about 20 minutes. I think you did um, come off early, yeah. I that did. was the reason. I was playing with a cricket pad stretching <laughs> my ribs. Because, <laughs> really? Yeah, I, literally because I was in that much pain. And I, the reason I came off is because I couldn't breathe and I got another bang on it. But I'd actually broken two ribs about three days before that. Wow. Yeah, wow. So, that- you know, that's that was one of the... I remember that game uh, specifically because I got, I got a goal early and we won it 1-0. Um, and, uh, yeah, I had to come off after about 20 minutes because I just couldn't breathe. I was in that much pain. But I went out there and tried. And that, that was probably what, what I was all about, if you know what I mean. When you think about the games I played, I played a lot of games where I was injured. played a lot of games where some players would not have played because well, this- they, you know, they, they simply wouldn't have played those games because they just said, I'm injured. But I didn't. I went out and gave everything every, every week. I mean, it's one of the, one of the questions. I mean, you know, over, Wikipedia says you've done made over a thousand um, appearances. It's about eleven hundred and fifty. Incredible! That's an incredible workload yeah. to impose well, on, your, a, on you your body for for a centre forward as well. I mean, there's there's four or five others that have done it, but they're mostly they're not they're not they're sort of like right backs and centre halves and players who have the game in front of them. Whereas yeah. when I started. Honestly, it was as a forward, it was absolute carnage. As you know, you were just going to get absolute. First five minutes, first touch, you get smashed, smashed to pieces. And people who say, "Oh, the game's not what it used to be," well, they didn't play it back then because if you had, you wouldn't have wanted it to stay that way. Absolutely horrendous. <laughs> That's an interesting point, yeah. Steve. Um, Tim Vickery, the uh, Amer- South American sports journalist, always talks yeah. about how in the in the latter years of his career, Romario insisted on having written in his contract that he didn't have to go back into his own half. Yeah. Literally, after kickoff, he could just <laughs> sit in in the opposition's half. I mean, did you have anything? Did you ever ever, ever try anything like that? You know, like no, I my, my game was <laughs> no, no, about, just around, get, getting around the pitch. I didn't have Romario's ability, unfortunately. <laughs> I had to I had to make up for it another way. So. No, my, my, mine was all about getting... I, I used to just love running around, but, yeah, it was... Uh, I mean, when I, I mean, I played through a transition where it went from, you know, very much in favour of the defender to very much in favour of the forward, and I know what I'd prefer. Players, good players have got to be allowed to play, you know, under under fair circumstances, and that wasn't the case when I first started, but it, it is, you know, it is the case now. And it is, there's much more of a dependence on, you know, people being able to play with the ball, which is good. I like that. I've got a couple of kind of short questions, yeah. quick, quick fires for you, Steve. Um, what's your, you're known for your twisting and turning in the box. What's your most spectacular goal you ever scored? What would what be your, uh, your your worldie? Did you, uh, my, uh, where where and where? You know, my worldie has to be. Uh, it, it has to be the, the the most important goal has to be the playoff goal for for Leicester. In, for Leicester at Wembley, yeah. Uh, it, it has to be simply because it was 49 games. It was a combination of a whole season. Um, yeah. And, you know, and and if we'd lost that, like we did at Millwall, the, the devastation is unbelievable. It's just, you just don't come out of that. So that was my most important. And, you know, and even then, when I hit it right, I even said that I did it with my shin and I shinned it. So even <laughs> then I sort of played it down. So that's that, yeah, that's, that is my career in a nutshell. But anyway, not to if, worry. It's, if, yeah, I mean, that's that's probably the one that stands out. If it sinks um, Crystal it's Palace, it's a world-class goal for me, Steve, every time, mate. In fact, yeah, you, I mean, I've got, I got a couple. You scored a great one. Against, yeah, at Sellers. You know, yeah, they were, I mean, six, 7,000 Millwall fans on that bank and you score. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know, and you run over to him. It was just, just oh, sublime. And as I say, it's, it's, it's. I feel very, very lucky that that I was able to experience something like that because you know I went to a football club at 34, 35 years old, where you know most people are, are finishing, and I went and I really, I had almost a reinvigoration of my career. It was, it was wonderful. Just one last point I wanted to ask you about, Stephen, when you. You've, uh, am I right in thinking you've, you've kind of walked away from the broadcasting side to concentrate purely on Salisbury now to to look yeah. after the management and, the, yeah. and and running of the club? Um, yeah. that's, that's a huge step, isn't it? I mean, that's that's um, I think that's that's a tribute to everything you've said about. Yeah, I want to I want to manage in the league. I want to you know get back to I want to be back to the level that um that I'm used to, that I know, that I you know that I played at. Um, I want to get back to full-time football, but that doesn't mean to say that 
you know, while I'm at Salisbury Football Club, and I've been there five years, I was one of the people who bought the club out of liquidation. Yeah. That I won't, I won't give everything, which I've, which has been my adage, you know, throughout my career, and that's something that I will always, always stick to. So um, I've still got a job to do at Salisbury, um, and I will continue to do that to the best of my ability. And, and ironically, given all the things we touched on at Millwall earlier on, and, and and Pompey, I guess as well. I mean, I just noticed Salisbury won the Wessex League in the 2015-16. And you were seventh, I think, in the table as, as the season um, kind of yeah, um, no, we, we, finished we, recently. Yeah, yeah no, I've, I've, I've managed for four years and I don't think we finished below second in the league. We've had two promotions and two seconds. So, you know, when, when you think where we started, we, we start when we won that 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 Wessex League and people will, might laugh. But there's, you know, um, there's other managers who, who just haven't been able to get out of it. I started with no players. Right. When we started, we started in July. We started with three friendlies and we did not have one player signed. The club hadn't kicked a ball for 18 months and we won that league by 22 points. Which is, which so, is some, yeah, you know... there's some going, there's some going. I, 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 th I think it is. And, you know, I mean, obviously you're, you're involved in the running of the club and we're, we're in these, um, we spoke about it off air before we started recording, but, you know, the, the game is in a, a situation where we don't really know what's going to be coming out of it. But... Uh, Salisbury, I believe, runs within budget. You, you're not, you, you, you won't take. No players. overdraft. No overdraft. We, I'm not a, we're not a club that are afraid to say no when people are demanding you spend money that you haven't got. Um, so we run it properly. It was one of the decisions that we made when we took over was we have no overdraft at the football club. What, what money and revenue we raise, we spend on on the players and you know and we look after the football club and that's how it works. We have a fantastic chairman now who's a majority shareholder. Um, who's who is the 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 opposite, if you can imagine, to yeah. a Milan Mandrick or a Theo Pathetis. He's he's, uh, he's a fantastic guy who you can work with. He doesn't make rash decisions. He understands the bigger picture. He understands the the economics. He, he understands when you need to push the boat out and when you need to pull the wings in. Um, and he's been an absolute delight to work with. And this so far, you know, we've done really well. Um, we, we, last year, the only reason we were seventh at that stage, and we would have finished higher, we got through, believe it or not, four goalkeepers. Right. And we had an average of at least six players injured, three who from the start of the season had kicked a ball. It had been, it was an absolute horrendous season for us. But yeah, I think we're only, you know, we weren't far off, and we, we, we I think we, you know, we'd probably, I think we'd have got playoffs, and after that, who knows? But we never know, will we? You know, it's one of those seasons where. Um, Football's in a precarious position. There's no doubt about that. Absolutely, you know, absolutely. Really, I don't think people realise how serious the situation is. When when everybody keeps talking about they shouldn't be furloughing these and they shouldn't be doing that, you know, a lot of clubs are run hand to mouth. A lot of clubs are run, you know, where that the, the, the revenue from the gates keeps that club going. And and I don't honestly see how a club should be expected to play players, you know, all through this without getting either some help from somewhere or doing a deal with some players to keep the club alive because it very much is a case of, you know, of, of backs to the wall at this stage. It really is. Yeah, you know, every club's different. Every yeah. club's run in a different way. Some clubs will be able to see this through financially. Others, you know, who are trying to run the club well and don't have any wealthy benefactors you know, will be really, really seriously hit under these conditions. I, sh I should hope that, you know, the big clubs out there, um, and I'm looking at your Spurs as your Liverpool's will realise that, you know, going for the initial sort of furlough was a big mistake. I mean, of course, you know, if, if you are a Premier League club of that ilk and you don't have the cash flow, but then you go and spunk 100, 150 million pounds on players in the summer, you have to question sort of the moral legitimacy and the moral sort of fibres yeah, of, of the people who run it. it. It's, it's morally and ethically wrong of course. to have done what they did. You know, this was not a financial decision. This says more about the people who are running your football club. It's a tactical than it, decision. Than, yeah, than it does in a financial sense. You're not being prudent. You're not being clever. You're just doing what is wrong, morally and ethically. And I think, you know, when, when people reacted the way they did, I think then, for one reason or another, I think those clubs realised that they've made a mistake. And, and rightly so, they've rectified the situation. But when you're talking about the lower leagues, talking about something that's completely different, you know, and... and you know, some of those clubs will definitely need to furlough and might even need to furlough some players because that is the way that it is and that's the way that, it, that, that it's run. 
and, and no one can can start you know pontificating about that because you know clubs in the football league will will this will have a huge effect on them all the way down the line yeah i agree so, um steve you know i i'm i want to go back to the point you you made about the whole theo fetus and and jeff burnage thing but you mentioned that theo said he wanted an experienced manager isn't it amazing how the game is no, he didn't, he didn't now. say that that was more that was more milan but theo basically had a problem with jeff um and and if jeff had been seen to put someone in charge who um who had done well then that would look well on jeff and theo didn't really want that so it, it, in a way it's it's decisions like that that make managers not care about the clubs they manage all they do is they look after themselves and that should that's an adage that you know I, I was prepared I was getting rid of players and I, you know I wasn't thinking about myself I was thinking about the football club and the future of the football club but when when you get treated like that you think why, why have that's I done that point. Yeah. You know, just to just to leave myself open to somebody like that and I did the same at Pompey you know I got rid of players that you know, to save the club money, to make sure that the club financially was being run properly. And then you know, people do that to you. So, yeah, and then other managers come in and they go and spend untold sums of money. And and you think, hold on a minute, you're managing that football club for you. You're not managing that football club for the supporters or the good of the football club. But then they, they seem to they get away with it. So it, it is what it is, like you say. You find yourself in those situations. And all you can do is you can do the way you do what's best and the way that you 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 feel is 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 the right way to do things. It sounds like you're happy at Salisbury, Steve. I, mean, I was reading the um the articles and and the fact that you're now back managing. You you know you clearly have a a relationship with a chairman that you 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 know that you respect. It sounds like that's um that's finally the the, the role that you've you've been looking for in 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 the job in in other than playing. Yeah, it is. I've had you know I've had other offers. Yeah. Um, but I you know I think. When you've been through what I've been through on a couple of occasions, you do realise that sometimes, um, you know, the grass isn't always greener. I, I've got, I have got, there, there is something that I want to finish off at Salisbury. Um, you know, this, I've done four years, this has been yeah. my fifth year coming. So, you know, everybody has a shelf life. We all know that everybody, you know, in, in football, <laughs> sometimes a change is as good as a rest. But I, I've got, there is, there is one more thing that I need to do. And then, you know, I, I think I can say, you know, I've, I've, I've done what I need to do at Salisbury. It's time to, Time to you know try my try my hand somewhere else, but I, I've got unfinished business and I'd like to do that. I think Steve, the point I wanted to pick up on with um, Mila Mandarich and sort of the the quest for experience is that you know isn't it amazing now how everyone is looking for that new young coach with ideas rather than the old experience heads. You've seen so many big names, big managers sort of like disappear or dissipate out of you know yep. the 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 public eye in football. And these new found managers, your David Wagner's of this world, you're Eddie, Eddie Howe is very much champion. He can do no wrong at Bournemouth. You know, you look at um well Eddie you, know, ha- you say that but Eddie Howe uh, went to Burnley and he failed failed when he it left wasn't Burnham, a success. Yeah. He was 16th. He couldn't Failed, but a, get going for love nor money. Yeah, Eddie Howe at Bournemouth has been absolutely sensational. It's the environment you're working in. 100%. But you look at all these new sort of, uh, you know. Don't, you know, some people will come to an interview, they'll have reams and reams of, of, of slideshows and they just bamboozle. You know, what you've got to understand is that the problem with our business is a little bit like politics. The person who runs. The NHS has never been in the NHS in their life. <laughs> so how are they fit to run it? You know, and that's why we get these mad decisions. And, you know, unless you are willing to listen and delegate and understand what it takes to run that. In football, you'll have a, ma- a man to pick the role of a manager who doesn't know anything about football. It's ludicrous, isn't it? Ludicrous it's stuff. very, yeah. very odd. And, and you get, you, you, I mean, I'm, I'm there going, why has he got another job? When he's just been at that club, he's spent a fortune, he's run it into the ground, he's been absolutely appalling, and he's been and got another job. Mm. Because someone said, he's a good manager, somebody's given him a, a little bit of a G up, or, you know, as Sir Alex has get, or, or he's, he, 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 he went to Mourinho's son's birthday or something. Oh, well, he's got to be a good manager. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's almost, you know, people don't do due diligence and they don't look into it and they don't take enough notice of people who know about football 
to, to say, actually, that fella's done a fantastic job. He might have finished 10th in the league, but that team that's finished 5th should have won it, and that team that finished 10th should have got relegated. There we are. I, mean, I always look at the, the story of Ian Dowie. Um, and, you know, sort of going from Palace, I mean, I read, I, I read Simon Jordan's book just recently, you know, his story at Palace and, and, and their sort of fractious relationship and then how he went to Charlton, presented a dossier and yeah. everything sort of fallen out. And he's turned out and he's gone and he's working in the construction industry now. I see him all the time when he works at Sky, you know, you see him at various grounds. And, you know, he's had to sort of like completely change angle because after Hull, um, when he went in as some form of consultant, it's never really worked for him. Ten years out of the game in terms of coaching and management. You know, you look at others. Alan Pardew's got, him, got himself a job. He's had to go to Holland to Holland, try and rebuild yeah. his career. You know, David Moyes, after Manchester United, went to Spain to try and, you know, disappear and try and rebuild himself. And then you've got the new breed of manager, like your Graham Potters, who are, you know, um, having to go abroad. I think he went to Sweden. I think it was Sweden. Uh, well, he, it he, been... he basically got, got the job off the back of the team's performance against Arsenal, didn't he, over those two legs? Of you course, know, he, of he, course. He would not have got that job if it hadn't been for that, in all honesty. You're not going to go uh, from what he was doing to a job at Brighton in the Premier League, you know, off the and, unless he played those two games against Arsenal. So, you know, no one can tell you that. But that, and that, yeah. that, that those moments are what, you know, careers are built on. Right place, right time. The, the Cowleys, you look at Danny Cowley and, and you know, yeah, I know him quite well, Danny. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. They really percent. have earned, earned that, that chance. I mean, they, they've been absolute. What they did at that football club was magnificent. And they, 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 should have, they should have got that opportunity. I'm glad they have. Do you reckon it was the wrong one? Do you reckon Huddersfield is the wrong one for them? No, I think Huddersfield are just going to, are just a club that are in transition. They've got a fantastic chairman who you can work with, who if he trusts you and believes in you, will give you you know, significant funds. But I think I think they, they, at the time they went into the club, it was a club that um, had a little bit of free fall, come out of the Premier League, had, had, you know, had, had not, didn't really know its identity, didn't quite know what it was what it was about. And they've had to go in there and then start really, uh, 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 you know, the, 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 the wheel was going backwards for a long time. And they had just to arrest that wheel and now start the wheel going forward. So it was never going to be a quick fix. And I don't think, to be fair, they expected it to be. So I, I, I think it's 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 certainly a, an opportunity they deserve. Whether it works or it doesn't, if I was the chairman of that football club, I would be happy with my appointment because I know that at that stage, that is an appointment that was well deserved. I mean, uh, I, I think it just still offers hope of of, of managers in non-league that there is a progression, a point to progress. You but know, where it's tough, mate. Even at our level, very, people will very. you know denigrate our level but there's some good teams at our level um, and there's some good players and it, it, it's it's you know when you when you're non-league you're part-time you know you, you, you you're constantly you can't go you know players don't come and live in your area you're trying to get players from here there and everywhere you're trying to get training facilities you're trying to you know it's very very difficult very difficult indeed it's much easier to to um to to uh, to manage full time where you have access to players, access to facilities, certainly through the day as well. Now we're asking players to do a day's work and then come and train with us. Yeah. Some of them driving, you know, an hour and a half, two hours to training. That takes some doing. Major commitment. Major. It is major scale. You're absolutely right. Major scale. Steve Claridge, absolutely fantastic. I really appreciate you uh, you joining us. On uh, on Actung Millwall, fascinating insight, not just into Millwall, but into into your career and and football. I mean, I think what I can take from it is is is, and if I had to sort of, you know, write something about you, is, is Steve Claridge loves football. That that is simply yeah. thank Steve you. Claridge thank loves you. football. If, if you know, come across, then it's uh, it's job done. Yeah, it comes I, over loud and clear, Steve. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, I, and, and, you know I, I'm you know I do I I hope I haven't offended anyone. I you know I've only called it as it is. Um, I would never, you know, I don't take personal uh, uh, problems into anything that I say. I call it as it is, um, and and that that's uh, that that's how I found it at the time, and that's how I look back on it. So um, yeah, that that's I am what I am. I can't do anything about that. But I'll always be straight and always always be honest with everyone. I just want to take as well. Whoever's listening to this, who's a, who is a Millwall fan, I'd just like to say thank you very much because uh, it was a pleasure. Magnificent. Yeah, I mean, 
Absolute pleasure to have you as well. Thank you, Steve. Uh, Steve Claridge, no doubt we'll chat again in the future. Steve Claridge with us on Actal Mill. Plenty more uh, will be uh, will be on the way from, from Nick, myself and, and the rest of the gang over this uh, COVID-19 period. Hope you're keeping safe. Hope you're keeping well. We'll be back at the den soon. But until for now, uh, until for now, until then, until now, until for now, who knows? Bye for now. <laughs> Achtung Millwall and the Real Millwall Fan Show are the number one Millwall podcast and we want to hear from you. So get in touch with us. Let us know your thoughts, your views, your rants about all things Millwall. We've got email, achtungmillwall at gmail.com. All one word, achtungmillwall at gmail.com. You can get in touch with us and leave us a voicemail on 0208 144 0232. That's 0208 144 0232 leave us a voicemail no human will be involved in the receipt of your message so give us a shout tell us what you think about all things Millwall and the best messages will be read out on air Achtung Mailball Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.